Welcome to the Hay Kings podcast, sponsored by Vermeer, your expert in hay and forage equipment. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by Andrew Eddy. Andrew is the president of the Washington State Hay Growers Association, and obviously a hay producer in central Washington State. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. The thing that I ask everybody, tell me about your farm. Yeah, so second generation farmer in Columbia Basin, me and my dad have about 1200 acres that we farm on our own and another couple thousand that we do custom work on so by about the end of the year we will end up covering probably north of 10,000 acres or so by the time we get across all cuttings and everything like that alfalfa timothy orchard grass a little bit of corn and then for custom we do alfalfa timothy and then some uh, bluegrass straw so that's kind of where we're at we're nestled in just the kind of the perfect region. I mean, there's other areas of the country that are nice too, but our uh, our little paradise is nice as well. So that sounds like a tremendous volume to most people, I think. That's, that's a lot of acres. Uh, let's talk about your line of equipment that services that. Yeah, so we run, uh, we run quite a bit of equipment. Um, you know, we're running two swathers, five rakes, three big balers, couple freemans four Freemans to be exact, which is four too many. Um, <laughs> and then uh, that's how we get through it. You know, we hold probably four or five people um, during the season to work for us. And we just uh, get along and go from there. Get along. Oh, boy. Let's talk about the 2022 production season. How did that start for you? So 2022 was kind of one of those uh, strange years. We started about a month late on alfalfa, rain, and weather was not on our side for the first uh, first three to four weeks of the season. Normally, when we're putting down first cutting alfalfa is about middle of May or so, May 15th, 18th, or something like that. Yep. We were about June 15th to June 18th, so we were pushed back quite a bit. Um, this kind of made us choose to do three cuttings rather than four for alfalfa. Tonnage was impacted a little bit. The first cutting was pretty higher tonnage compared to normal just because it was pushed out for so long it ended up quality was decent but nothing too crazy yeah and then moving down through the rest of them it wasn't too bad i think for the rest of the year we ended up fine for tonnage wise taking three cuttings rather than four and we ended up about average so i think we're good there you talked about a delay on first cutting yes now there's harvest delays where the plants get over mature and then there's uh, cool weather yes. that slows the growth. Which are we talking about here? Or is it yes? Both. Yes, it's, it's both. both. Yeah, so it, it stretched out long enough that first cutting was pretty, was pretty mature comparatively. Um, but the cooler weather also helped the grass side of things. Yes. So for Timothy and orchard grass, I mean, it was, it looked good. Um, our tonnage was for us personally, we changed some ways that we're looking at, you know, what we're doing and what we're spending money on to make it the most efficient as possible. Yep. And so with that, I think the grass was pretty good. 
mm-hmm. the cool weather helped that grass grow pretty well. Yeah, Timothy but, and Orchard grass are both cool season grasses. Right? Yeah, and they they uh, they really liked it, and I really liked it because you know normally with Timothy when it starts getting hot, it just starts kind of nuking itself, and that's that. Yeah, yeah you look at it wrong, and it changes overnight. Yeah. yeah so moving through that, the alfalfa was was decent. It wasn't it wasn't too bad. I think it was kind of a one of those deals. A lot of people kind of tried to cut early and they got hit with weather and got some of it rained on. Um, <laughs> some. <laughs> some. Um, a small amount. I mean, 80%, 70%? Probably a good 70% more yeah. than likely is probably what got rained on in the basin for first cutting. Yeah. And then for grass, it went up pretty well. We harvested the end of June or yep. so, yeah. towards like the third or fourth week of June. Um, and it looked it looked good. So I think overall the season ended up turning out pretty decent. It just was a very slow start that had a lot of people worried. Um, and this is just introspectively for our own operation. Yeah, I think it it worked out well. It's important to do a a review of Correct. what what's happened, right? So we just talked about all the outside factors. What are some of the things that went well? And you mentioned you were doing you were making some changes in your operation to spend money better. Everybody's thinking about those things. What are you doing? Correct. And I'd, I'd err a word of caution. Some people probably aren't focusing on that, even though they should. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, so we took, we cut back on our fertilizer a little bit. But the other thing is with, with high prices on inputs and things like that, we're running into where if you cut out a certain amount of fertilizer, you're not going to get the return back out of it and yield. Mm-hmm. So there's a fine balance. And I think a lot of people, just from what I've talked to with other growers and kind of some contacts and stuff, they cut back on fert, but their yield was automatically harmed because they cut back too much in order to make it work. So for us heading into 2022, for planning with the way we were working our fertilizer and stuff like that, I think we ended up setting ourselves up for kind of an advantage, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, not saying we have it perfect, not saying we're the best, but we kind of had it planned out where if we use the same amount of fertilizer, we know what we can get out of that plant. So we started kind of focusing on those numbers and where exactly we needed to be at for cost of production. And moving through, it worked out. Yes, input prices were higher. Commodity prices reflected that and were higher. Um, but getting it out of it for growth was huge because if you don't have the growth out of it, I mean, you get paid on tonnage, you do right. get paid on quality, yep. but an overarching, you know, You're majority of tons. Yep. You know, you get paid by the ton. You don't get paid by, you the, know, the, the quality, the, the color grade or yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Unless we get into Timothy and we will, that's a little different. Yeah. yeah. But you know, I think with what we set up to do, I think we were in a position where we could kind of play with the numbers a little bit. You know, we brought our fertilizer down enough where we knew what we were going to get out of it, but not over apply. And then we also kind of focused our uh, inputs on making decisions, both on fertilizer management wise, that would positively impact what we're doing the best that we can. So what you're talking about is taking into account the age of a field. Correct. And if you have an older stand of anything, you know that it's not going to produce as much as that second or third year stand. Correct. So what I heard you tell me is you were focusing your fertilizer on 
your younger stands, your more productive fields, taking those kind of things into account? For the most part, I think holding true to what you've done in the past works out. You just have to find the little things that work. So things that work for my operation is not going to work for somebody else's, is not going to work for yours, is moving forward, looking at it, it's like, hey, this is what works for me. Here's the products I'm going to use. Am I going to branch out and try some other things? Maybe. And I think that's one of the things with, especially for me as a younger grower and things like that, is coming in and saying, hey, let's try this. Let's do this on a small scale. Let's see how it returns. If the return comes back, there's a positive yield increase and things like that, then it's worth it. Mm -hmm. If we try it, it's a small, you know, small amount of risk for us price-wise, then we'll try it. It doesn't work. We're not out too much. Everybody's operation is different in scale and yours is yours is bigger. What what might be small for you is big is gigantic for somebody else. Is correct. But, but as a portion of your overall operation, what portion of your acres are you experimenting on? A very small portion. So even inside of our own stuff. Um, we've tried to make those decisions about what we're putting it on, on a smaller scale, um, which again, a smaller scale for me is different than a smaller scale for you. I think it just kind of fits into, it's just, it's economies of scale, right? So it's the scale of how much, you know, how much ground we have to work with and what we have to work with and, you know, where it all pencils out and things like that. So, but, but you're talking about one or 2% or probably, or, yeah. I mean, and I mean, if single it, digit percentage. Yeah. And the nice thing about the basin, especially is that with consistent water, consistent growing, things like that, multiple cuts. So if I try something on second cut and it works, then I can try it third and fourth yeah. or for grass. If I try it on first and it doesn't work, I won't try it for second. Like, there's just certain things where I have found that if we're trying something, you got to be all in or not at all. So meaning not try it on the whole farm, but you have to be committed to say, hey, here's how I'm going to replicate it. Here's what we're going to do. Let's see if it works. And some fields it may work. It may be beneficial. Other fields it may not. Another thing that we try to introduce for 2023, um, we're kind of doing our own on-farm research, especially with Timothy. Haven't really discussed this too much with kind of outside people, but here we are. Um, so <laughs> I'm we, listening. I'm yeah. all ears. I'm, the, I'm a Timothy guy. Yeah, yeah. So we partnered up with a fertilizer company. We're going to start doing some on-farm research for Timothy, not variety-wise, but for input-wise to try to get that quality and consistency out of it with what we know as growers, what they have as agronomists, and then kind of pull from some different areas to see, hey, is this going to work? Is this not going to work? And I think that's a huge benefit because for us, we not only get the information from that, but we can also say, hey, look, you know, we can take this amount, you know, or this product, put it on this field and we're, you know, we're going to see if it works or doesn't. Is it going to be cost effective for us? Is it going to be cost effective for other growers? And I think that's the biggest thing is moving into 2023. I think farming has become very, in the past, has been very non-collaborative. So moving forward, I'm I'm more than willing to share, hey, here's what I did. It may not work for you, or this may work better, or this or that, but here's what I know, right? So having that resource and having that access, huge, because we can share like, hey, we're not the best growers, but here we are. Like, here's yeah. here's what we do. Here's how we make it. There you go. 
Um, I'd rather not be standoffish with people because, I mean, I don't really have any secrets. We're all working off the same playbook. It all just depends on which plays we pick, right? Yeah. So I think that's a huge thing to try to find and get a hold of. And I think our relationships with the people that we know in the industry and then also from the supplier side and things like that have benefited us, benefited us tremendously because we've been able to get certain products and things for whatever reason, we've been able to do it just the way we, you know, we've planned it out or worked where we can try on, you know, some Timothy or we can try on alfalfa or things like that where, Hey, this is going to work or this eh, is a little iffy or this or that. So I think bringing it all together and taking tools and shoving them in the toolbox is huge. But what's to say, you know, you need a 10 millimeter wrench, you don't have it. And you know, I have it. Is it really what you need or yeah. do you need a 12 or, do you, you know, I, I'm in a spot where I, again, growing and expanding. Right. The first step is to get the ground good. I didn't plant any Timothy this fall, but it's because I'm in a stage where I need triticale winter wheat, right. something else in right. that ground. It, but I think that's going to be the right thing to do this year is not, sure. is not uh, to get overextended on Timothy and hope for $400 a ton. In 2023. Yeah. And I mean, I think typical years, especially in the basin, you see a lot of Timothy going in, especially when prices are high. Yes. You know, the problem with this year is seed availability and then also local, local areas, local businesses changing what they're doing. So that impacts the ag industry as a whole, um, especially up our way. So, you know, when beans are profitable, corn's profitable, wheat's profitable, all that stuff, yeah, inputs are higher, but all those crops are profitable. Alfalfa is profitable. Timothy's profitable. But the thing is, is that the Timothy market, like I said, has become pretty stagnant, both export and domestic side. It's a little, it's slowing down. I mean, we really don't have a lot of domestic demand for Timothy. There is some retail. In those second, kind of, yeah, second cutting Timothy but our the, way is... But the bulk of... The bulk majority is first cutting Timothy is export. export. Done deal. Um, second cutting Timothy wise. Yeah, yeah. There's some variability. Yeah. 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 Um, dryland Timothy has become very popular in the last five years or so. Yep. Um, there's a lot of dryland Timothy, different product, different, you know, different. Sometimes a different thing. product. So, sometimes I can put up some premium stuff. Yeah. But completely but, the way, the way it looks, the way it is, there's, yep. there's some differences between the two, um, for what, you know, those growers want, things like that. So, yep. Moving into 23, it'll be interesting to see how things kind of all lay out, where things go. Got to stay on top of that management, right? Weather the storm. That's that's my advice for 2023 is weather the storm. Attend those events and be educated and informed on what is actually going on. Don't just turn a blind eye to it. Don't sit there and just kind of wallow in it. You're, you're how saying do you manage? Trade shows are a good Trade, investment. Yes. yes. You're Trade. talking about getting out to industry events. And For sure. Things. Yeah. Get out industry, and talk to people. industry events, educational events, things like that. And even honestly, I've learned. So I left the farm, got a degree in advertising, came back. I learned more about who I was and the way my process worked um, by leaving the farm and then coming back. So bringing things in from different industry and different places and thought processes, whether that's logistics, thought processes, or this or that, if you can take and pull from those kind of people from different different areas of the world, yep. that's huge. Yep. So 
We've already done a whole so episode on this. Yes. But another plug for the Northwest Hay Expo, January 18th and 19th in Kennewick, Washington. Yep. And you can find more information on that at wa.hay.org. Wa-hay.org. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wa-hay.org. There we go. We got it. Um, So, yeah. So, kind of touching on that briefly. um, Should be a good event. We're going to talk about uh, soil health, plant health, markets, inflation, interest rates, fuel updates, fertilizer updates. I mean, pretty much everything that impacts in operation and and you have a great speaker on how to manage higher interest rates and we do we do um (laughs) not sure who that guy is yet but um no so so john will be there for that that'll be a good good thing to have his perspective on it both beneficial as and a grower and economist and being in those two different realms because the things you brought over like i was just touching on the things you brought over from the banking world into ag and then vice versa with everything is huge because that's a different thought process. Yep. You know, um, I I don't have all the right answers, but I hope to make you think different. Right. Yeah. And so I think, you know, I think it'll be a good, good program. There's a, there's a pretty good turnout um, consistently every year. I mean, we're talking several hundred. Oh, there's probably, I think on average, I think there's five, 600 people that attend this event. Yeah. And the nice thing and is. it's a pure hay show. Pure hay show. There's no homeowner stuff. Nothing there's else. Nothing else. Just hay. Just pure hay show. So I think it's beneficial because it's all the information about what, what hay growers deal with. It's all the trials and tribulations that hay growers deal with and the things they need to focus on. And it's that connection point too. And it's the connection point. Yes. And you see a lot of people that you may not see. During the year, yep. whether that's yeah, we're all out service farming, people, right? yeah, whether that's service people, other growers, your buyers, things are you know things like that. The networking is is a big aspect, but also those educational events are huge. Pesticide credits, in case pesticide, you pesticide credits, yeah, credits. the people that take and you know wait um, <laughs> that need a need updating and sign up in the back of the room, and then leave. Um, we won't talk about that, but um, not to call anybody out. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think again, pulling those, those things from those people is huge. So if you guys are around, you guys want to register, feel free. It's a great event, you know, find, find some people that, you know, find, you know, find any of us and go from there. And I think the last thing just kind of touch on, look at different areas of your operation about what you want to focus on. Try something new. So whether that's, branding, social media, building that platform, building community in that aspect, showing what you're doing day to day. This is my first year doing winter wheat. So right. it could be operational too. It could be operational. It could be anything. Just try try something different, right? So, and what you see benefit in is different than what somebody else may see benefit in for budget dollars, for time, for anything like that. Yep. But keep doing it if you're passionate about it. So yep. build, build the operation how you want to build it and then go from there but just keep keep moving forward i think that's kind of the overall overarching i guess synopsis of the episode is just keep building and growing to make things better and better each and every time you couldn't have summarized it better we'll leave it right there for sure andrew thank you so much for joining us thank you and i want to say thank you to vermeer for making all of this podcasting stuff possible and i want to say thank you to nick palmeri our audio editor for this episode we actually hosted in person in his studio and thank you jessica palmeri being our social media coordinator